Thank you, Carolina. G'day, everyone. Uh, my name is Dave. Uh, let me tell you, how good was that video uh, with Jerry? Wasn't that amazing? So many things um, were powerful for me in that video, but most of all was the fact that we're using subtitles for an Irishman. And <laughs> I think we can all thank our comms team on behalf of that. Whenever I chat to Jerry, Jerry I'm just like, I wish he had subtitles. And there he was, so it's just wonderful. I'm kidding, of course. It's wonderful to praise, uh, praise God for what he's done in Jerry's life. Well, I, I'm, I'm so excited that we're here today, finishing off our summer series. We've been looking over the last four weeks, three weeks, I should say, uh, at what Jesus has caused in the world. And today we're looking at a topic uh, which is on the screen. Has Jesus caused oppression or freedom? A huge topic, a profoundly powerful and relevant one for us because it strikes right at the core of an issue, a theme, a concept, um, which is at the centre of what it is to be a human, the theme of freedom. Uh, freedom is, is uh, right at the core of our culture and society and has been commonly, of course, held up as something very, very important. A liberal democracy, the type of sort of political system we live in, uh, it prides itself on liberty, not tyranny. You know, that we have liberty, freedom. We see it in our national anthems, in constitutions, declarations and so on. But freedom is much more than politics, isn't it? Freedom is deeply personal. It's deeply personal. We all want it. We all desire it. It's part of what it is to be a person, that we have liberty. Freedom, we want it in our relationships, in our, um, in, in our friendships, in work, um, in money. We want enough money to be free. Uh, we want it for our children. In fact, there's many people who would hold freedom as the very meaning of life. The very key to the good life, the happy life, is to be free. So, of course, the question that we need to answer is, what is freedom? What is this thing that we're talking about today? Well, rather than me telling you, I want you to talk about it amongst yourselves. If you're brand new, I'm so sorry. But it'll be okay. You'll get to meet people. It'll be fine. They won't be weird. I can't promise that. They might be. But have a go. What I want you to do is I want you to turn to the person next to you and just chat for just 30 seconds Answering the question, what do most people mean when they use the word freedom? Have a chat. We'll talk about it in a moment or two. Well, of course, uh, many people have spoken about freedom. It's not a new idea or concept. Uh, and I, I was scouring the internet to try and find a, a great definition for us. And there's wonderful definitions and descriptions of what freedom does from, from some of the great minds of history, Shakespeare to Sinatra, Plato and Aristotle to Shane Warne. Many people have discussed the concept of freedom. But I actually thought what I will do is go to one of the most powerful and profound voices in our culture today. And so I went to Elsa from Frozen. <laughs> Put your hand up if you're a fellow sufferer. Who's, yes, yes. Man. No, no, I actually spoke about Frozen once at a different event. And afterwards, uh, someone came up and said, Frozen was a really powerful movie for me. It means something to me. So if that's you, oh, get help. I don't know what to say. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 
what a great film that is. Anyway, of course, freedom has, uh, sorry, Frozen has stayed in the mind, the psyche of our humanity, not because of the, 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 uh, the movie itself, but because of the song. The song, what is the song called? And don't we wish they would? Let it go. Honestly, this song that is right in the middle of it, one of the biggest selling songs of the last 10 years, downloaded 1.5 billion times on YouTube, uh, won the Oscar for best um, song in a film 2014, hugely popular song. Right at the centerpiece of the film as, as Elsa sort of breaks free from the shackles of life and so on and so forth. Now, um, I know this is a kid's movie. I know we're not taking it too seriously. But what I want you to do is I'm going to put the words up of the crescendo of, of the song. And I want you to pay attention to what she says because I actually think she defines freedom as accurately as almost anywhere else we see in the way that most people use it today. Okay, okay, so have a look. I would sing it for you off by heart, but for your benefit, I'll just put it on the screen. Um, this is where the whole song builds to. Are you ready for this? It's time to see what I can do. To test the limits and break through. Now catch this, no right, no wrong. No rules for me, I'm free. Now, we don't want to take it too seriously, of course, but it is worth noting that all this song is doing is shadowing um, articulating a philosophy of life which is the philosophy we live in. That is the mindset of the culture you and I are part of. That has, in some way or another, whether you know it or not, um, infiltrated its way into your psyche. Um, you might have heard it expressed like this. Be true to yourself. To thine own self be true. I'm the captain of my soul. I'm the master of my... Um, I did it my way. I summarise this philosophy like this. The meaning of life is to be free to be me. Freedom is what? How did you articulate it before? I wonder if you articulated it like this. Freedom is the ability to do whatever you want without restraint. Is that right? Is that what you said? To do whatever you want without constraint, restraint, without oppression. And that's the opposite of freedom, without someone stopping you from doing the things that you want. But of course, it's not just doing anymore. And this is what's so interesting within our culture of the last 10, 20, 30 years. No longer is freedom just um, doing, it's now being. Did you catch that? It's being. I'm not only free to do what I want, I'm free to be who I want to be. Um, the more authentic version of myself that I am, the more free I am, therefore the more happy I will be. My problems in life come from other people shackling me, oppressing me, restraining me. I need to look within find the real me, and live my life according to what I discover. That's freedom. That's freedom. That's freedom is the ability to live your life without restraint, to be who you want to be, to do what you want to do. So, of course, it's a hugely important question that we're asking today. What does Jesus cause? Freedom is this thing that we all want. Is Jesus the one to bring it? Is he the one to actually provide for it? Well, I've been mean, thinking a lot about uh, this question over the last couple of weeks. Um, and no, no matter which way I come at it, I always land at the same place in the answer. Does Jesus cause freedom or oppression? The answer that I've come up with? Neither. Neither. He doesn't cause oppression. Not religious, not ritualistically, not in rule keeping, not in society at large. Um, I would love to encourage you to check out some of the sermons of the previous weeks, the last weeks about religion, the one before that elsewhere. Jesus in no way whatsoever has caused oppression. But he doesn't cause freedom either if 
we define freedom the way that most of us do, which is life without restraint. To do whatever you want, to be whoever you want to be without any restriction whatsoever. Jesus does not bring that. So what does he bring? What Jesus brings is a different definition and perspective of what freedom actually is. What Jesus brings is the understanding that freedom as defined as doing whatever you want without restraint, without anyone holding you back, is not actually freedom. That's fake freedom, fake news freedom. And that actually leads to oppression. Jesus defines and brings with him a new definition of freedom, which when you get it, and I want to promise you today, when you get it, when you grasp hold of it, when you understand it, doesn't only bring you personal freedom in this life, but also it promises you eternal freedom. It it changes how you view not only freedom, but life itself. So what we're going to do, I hope, uh, is interesting and uh, straightforward. We're going to look at what Jesus says about freedom. How does he define it uh, from the Bible? And then we're going to think through why um, the other definition isn't right, doing whatever you want, that's not the truth, and why what Jesus offers uh, is so, so much better. Now, we're going to look at two parts of the Bible, not just Romans 8. We're actually going to start our time today in John chapter 8. So if you have a Bible, open it up, John chapter 8. Um, Keep a fingernail or two in Romans chapter 8 if you need, but John chapter 8 is where we're going. And what we're about to look at is an interaction that Jesus has with some religious people who like him. (laughs) Religious people who like him who think that they want to follow him, who think they believe him, but as it later turns out, they don't. And they actually, they haven't truly understood what it is that he's saying. That might be you here today. Someone who likes Jesus, but you're not quite too sure. So where we're going to is, um, let me check it out. John chapter 8, verse um, 31. Now, I'm about to read this out loud. You're going to follow in your Bible or listen. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pay particular attention to what we learn here about what Jesus says about freedom. Just listen to what he says about freedom and ask yourself as he does so, How is this different than what the world says? Did you hear that? How is what Jesus offers here different than what the world says? Let me read it, verse 31 um, to verse 36. Here we go. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I want you to notice two things. Number one, Jesus is all about freedom. He's not against freedom. Christianity does not pit itself as an enemy of freedom. We hate freedom, we want to suppress it. Jesus doesn't want to destroy your life. No, 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 Jesus is all about freedom, so much so that he actually has it at the very center of what he is doing on earth. Jesus is all about freedom. But number two, did you notice how distinguishably different and distinct that is from the worldly definition of freedom? Now, do you remember, what's that definition of freedom? That freedom is the ability to do whatever you want without restraint. But what does Jesus say? Look again or listen. If you hold to my teachings, verse 31, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus says freedom, rather than being available to anyone who does whatever they want, whenever they want, who finds their true self, rather, freedom is available to anyone who would listen to him and obey what he says. 
more than that, who would understand life through the truth that he gives, would understand truth about life that Jesus provides, would understand that this truth is actually the very core of why we're here. Freedom is not do whatever you want. Jesus says freedom is do whatever I say. Freedom is not look within yourself. Freedom is, according to Jesus, look to me. Freedom is not the ability to be free to be me. It's not the ability to do whatever you want without restraint. Freedom is having the ability to live how you were made to be. Now, I want you to catch that again. Listen. Freedom is not the ability to be free to be me. It won't be found there. It's a dead end. Freedom can only be found when you discover what you were made to be. So how can Jesus say that? It's so different to everyone else's opinion. Well, I want to look at both of those expressions, free to be me and made to be, uh, separately, and then think through how they play themselves out. So first of all, how can Jesus actually say freedom is not found in having the ability to be free to be me? And let me be absolutely clear, uh, this is a unique position that Jesus holds. You've got Jesus in one corner, in the other corner, everyone. Everyone. And you've got Jesus. So how can he say that? The answer, and I must give you, well, let's call it what it is. Let me trigger warning you. What we're about to read is so countercultural. What I'm about to read for you and, and spend some time thinking about is so different to any other narrative you'll hear in the world, um, you may indeed find it shocking. I hope you do. Um, and yet I'm utterly persuaded it's completely true. Why can't being true to yourself provide the freedom that you want? Because of you. Because of you. Look what Jesus says. Listen again, verse 34. Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Let me define those words. Sin um, Sin means the rejection of God. It's not about rules, it's about relationship. It's about rejecting God and rejecting the way he says to live. Let me make it clear, sin is something all of us do. This is not me up on the platform, you're a sinner. No, 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 I'm the worst sinner I've ever met in my life. I've got a front row view to my own sin. I know what goes on in here. Who am I to judge in it? Man, you, should, you don't want to see it. And you're the same, True. I hope you know that. I hope you know that. So this is not about, I'm better than you. Listen, No, no, this is all of us. We all sin. Jesus says that more than anyone else in the entire Bible. All of us are, are sinners. But slavery is the word I want you to grab hold of. Slavery isn't a reference to the transatlantic slave trade we often associate with chains and whips. And No, 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 it's not that. Slavery here, the reason Jesus uses this term is it's a reference to being owned by someone or something. Having a master that is not yourself. What is Jesus saying? Listen, listen to me. If you sin, then sin is your master. You don't call the tune. It calls your tune and you dance along to it. You have a sinful nature. It controls you. Now, the consequences of this as we consider our life, I hope you understand how explosive that is. As someone who sins, and that is all of us, your natural state in life, your natural position is a slave. You are not free. There's not a picture of, like, oh, you've got really religious people and the really evil you know, people over there, and then the rest of us kind of chilling in the middle. <laughs> no! 
You are not free. You're a slave to your sinful nature. It's within you and you always veer that way. Now, of course, one of the clearest places that we see that um, is in every single bookstore or library in the country. If you go into a bookstore or library, next time you go, um, if you want to look at the biggest selection of books, go to the parenting section. Okay? Why? Because people are obsessed with their children. We want our children to, to have happy lives, to, to be fulfilled and content and so on. And so you'll find book after book after book after book telling us what to do in order to, well, how to raise your child to be thoughtful, to be kind, to be a well-balanced member of society, to be loving, to be so on and so forth. Now, you know what book you'll never, ever find? How to raise your child to be more of a jerk. How to raise your child to be more selfish. My child doesn't say no enough. How do I fix that? How to make my child more of a narcissistic dot, dot, dot. Why do we don't have those books? Because they don't need the help. And the only people who think they do are people who don't have kids. You teach your kid how to say no, mine. You teach your kid to be selfish? No, no, no. We are that way. And we spend inordinate amounts of time, effort, energy, emotional turmoil trying to shape them the other way. And three quarters of the time, it doesn't do a thing. <laughs> do you understand? Being free to be me? That is a terrifying prospect. Being free to be me. To be the more authentic version of yourself, that's not the pathway to freedom that we think it is. There's nothing more than a fancy, polished way of selfishness. It's selfishness dressed up in a tuxedo and pretending to be some sort of deeply profound, pseudo-spiritual way of understanding life. I'm going to be authentically myself. Hitler was authentically himself. Okay? What you are offering at that point is not freedom. What you are verging towards is oppression. Oppression to who? To yourself. And you are a wicked and cruel slave master, let me tell you. But it's not only, of course, um, that it's true and undoubtedly true, I want to say that, but also I, I want to say to you, I believe there's scientific, observable evidence that proves that this is not true. Just consider um, uh, Australia, our beautiful country that we're so fortunate to live in. Now, whatever you make of our country, let me uh, give you some, well, some indisputable statistics. We are amongst the most privileged and comfortable people who have ever drawn breath on this earth. We are healthier, wealthier, better educated, and have more comfort than 99% of people who ever lived. We live longer, we eat better, we have outdoor toilets. That puts us above 95% of people who've ever lived. When it comes to freedom, I would never ever say Australia is free of oppression. It's not, and it's wicked when oppression happens. But in comparison to everyone else who's ever lived, or let me put it this way, you want to shave your head, grow your hair, move to the other side of the country, wear what you want, do what you want for work, quit your job, don't quit your job, get married, get divorced, get married, get divorced. You want to do whatever you want to do, who's stopping you? Well, there might be personal people in your lives who are stopping you, but the government certainly isn't. You don't exist under a tyrannical government that prevents your freedom of action or freedom of movement. On the contrary, we are some of the freest people who've ever lived. Now, don't miss this. What is the great narrative presented to us about freedom? Freedom equals happiness, peace, contentment. So we should be 
not only the happiest people on the planet, we should be the happiest people who have ever lived. Australia. We should be the happiest people who have ever lived. Now, let me ask you honestly, does that articulate your life? Does it articulate the life of the people that you know? Does it articulate your community, your culture, your neighbours, your street, your workmates, your family? If so, I congratulate you because you are in a very small minority. We do not just lead the world, of course, in comfort and privilege, freedom and education. We lead the world in anxiety and depression. And I say this with... with this is tragic, I want to say. It's, it's difficult, and it affects so many of us. We are one of the highest, highest per capita um, populations. A number of, uh, we have one of the highest um, rates of anxiety and depression. Uh, one of the highest rates of prescription anxiety and depression medication. One of the highest rates of suicide uh, on the planet. And that's a rate that continues to get higher and higher. The leading cause of serious health conditions per age bracket, 0 to 14, asthma, 65 to death, arthritis. 14 to 65, mental illness, mental health. 70% of current university and TAFE students indicate that they suffer extreme levels of psychological distress. So we have this paradox, do you see it? And you must explain this inside your own mind. But we have this paradox, this, this contradiction right at the centre of our community and culture. The greatest freedom ever has led to the greatest misery. Now you can do this, la, 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 la. You can go, whatever, fine. But you cannot dismiss that. That is true. Now why is that? It's not just Australia. It's every country with the same sort of parallel levels of freedom. Why is that? The answer Jesus gives is because freedom to yourself is not freedom at all, but oppression. Oppression under sin, under your sinful nature, under your rejection of God and the consequences of that, and it leads to nowhere but misery, unhappiness, discontent, and delusion. However, that is not the only definition of freedom that we have in the Bible. As I said, Jesus does offer a different perspective, a different way of viewing and completely understanding this topic and life. Jesus says, freedom is not found in the ability to be free to be me, it's found in the ability to live the way you were meant to be. In other words, when you live according to the meaning that God has given you, that God created you for, then you have freedom. True freedom. Freedom that lasts. Freedom that lasts across a, a lifetime, across an eternity, across generations. So let me ask you, what were you made for? This answer in your head. What were you made for? Why did God make you? That's a big question. Why are you here? We'll look again at John chapter 8. From verse 34 onwards, Jesus does something astonishing. He compares slavery to sonship. And I want to say sonship here, it means um, it's sons and daughters. It's not just talking about males. It's just an old way of speaking about that. So every time it's sonship, it's both, both um, male and female. Jesus replied, verse 34, listen, listen to the, and listen what you hear about slavery and sonship. Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin, now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. The status of a slave is an owned person. They are a belonging to someone else. They are, they are someone's property. But a son, a daughter, a child, you do not own your children. If you did, you could give them away. You can't. No, you do not own your children. What do you do? You love your children. They're not property. What's the word we use for, for children? Family. 
Now, don't miss this. Listen to me, please. Jesus is offering to set you free from slavery to sin. But not only to set you free from slavery, but he is offering to set you free for family. Eternal family forever. Flick over to Romans 8, that reading Carolina gave us. And let me be clear, I don't know how you, uh, your relationship with the Bible to this point, um, but what we're about to read is almost it's like the, the peak of the Everest, okay? What we're about to read are things that people in the Old Testament of the Bible could have only dreamed of knowing. This, everything in the Bible has been leading to the point that we're about to read. And I want you to pay attention as I read these words to what we learn here about family. Listen to this. Romans 8 verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. The Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. What is being said here? Now, this is an astonishing truth about the very meaning of your life. Don't miss this. When someone becomes a Christian, through the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, bringing them to life, they are not just forgiven, and redeemed, they are set free from slavery to sin and adopted into God's family. Now, someone who is adopted, as we all know, um, they immediately upon adoption have all the rights and privileges of the naturally born child. No matter what the past has been, no matter where they've gone in the past, suddenly they are in the family. Through Jesus, there's a change in status from slaves to sons, from down and out, in the dirt, to daughters, from foreigners to family. We're entitled to call God Abba. Now, that's not the amazing band from Sweden. Abba is the Hebrew affectionate word for father. It's daddy, dad, dad. So let me ask you now, just, and if, you, if you don't know where you stand with God, if you're not sure you're a Christian or not, if you're not a Christian, in particular, please listen. If freedom in life comes from being set free from slavery and adopted into God's family, if living that way is living the way you were made to be, what does Christianity proclaim is the meaning of your life? What does Jesus say? You are here for. The meaning of your life is to have a loving relationship with God as your Father. That's why you're here. That's what you're made for. You're made for God. You're made to know Him, to have a loving relationship with Him. Now, let me ask you who's underwhelmed by that? Anyone here hear that and go, oh, well, that's nice, but I'd like a boat. Could you give me a boat? <laughs> a new car? Could you give me that? 
I mean, great, God is Father. Terrific. But, can you... Is it really that big a deal? No, it's not. It's bigger. But here's the thing. You will never understand the enormity, the astonishing truth that we've just proclaimed until you understand the reality of your present situation before God. Let me put it this way. You will never grasp hold of what God promises you about the future until you understand, understand in here what God promises you is your spiritual reality in the present. You see, what is wrong with being a slave to sin? Let me tell you, it's not only that it doesn't work, that you'll be on the carousel of life. The merry-go-round, you know, you get on, it goes up and down, up and down, round and around, but where do you get off? The exact same damn place you got on. It takes you nowhere. It's not only that finding freedom within yourself does not work and enslaves you. It's far, far worse than that. What did Jesus say? A slave has no permanent place in the family. What does being a slave to sin mean about your relationship with God? It means you do not have one. God is not your father. God is not your father. You are not his child. You're a stranger to him, a rebel against him. And not because he has done that, you have rejected him. Dear friends, you have rejected him. Oh, we love to feel spiritually optimistic, don't we? You know, God is the, the universal father of everyone. We're all the same. And you see this, of course, at funerals. And I don't say this is personal, and I'm not saying this is flippant. Please hear me, but you see it at funerals with someone who's spent their entire life ignoring God completely. Suddenly upon their death, their family said, well, sure, but and we just betray scallywag behaviour. Jesus never says that. Why do you think that? That is not what the Bible ever says. What Jesus says is that by being cut off from God through slavery to sin, you have cut off your relationship with God. The devastation of sin is not rules and regulations. It's not breaking God's spiritual laws for life. The devastation of sin is the breaking of relationship. It's rejecting God, rejecting his love. And one day when you die, it is that thing that you will be judged for. Your judgment is not the accumulation of all the, the right things and wrong things that you've done balancing out a set of scales. Please get that out of your mind. You are judged for your rejection of God. Get away from me. I never knew you is the promise of what we will face by rejecting him. We cannot call upon God's mercy because he only gives mercy to his children. We're not his children. The very thing we're made for, a loving relationship with God, is gone, and we cannot get it back. Um, there's a story, at, and, and let me, this is distressing, so I'll not give every detail, but there is a story um, about uh, Romania. After the Iron Curtain fell, the Soviet Union collapsed in the early 1990s, communism, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and journalists were allowed behind uh, the wall of these countries, were allowed into these countries in Eastern Europe, uh, and beyond for the first time in 50 years. And there was a, a, a whisper of a story that was going around and a bunch of journalists heard about it in, in Romania, a shocking story. And so they went there and reported what they heard and the world was shocked, truly, truly shocked by what, what, um, what they found. 
the story became clear that due to malnutrition, poverty, impoverishment, um, um, 500,000 babies had been abandoned by their parents. Um, there were 500,000 babies in state-run orphanages um, in, in Romania. Often they were orphans, uh, but often they were not. They were abandoned by parents who, who could not provide for them. There were so many that the, the government, the state, were overrun and could not care for them properly. So the result... Well, here's a quote I'll read to you from a British journalist um, of his impression as he walked into a room. Um, and, and the rooms were, imagine a room this size, full with cots. Just imagine walking into a room full of cots. The children lay in their cots, sometimes two to each cot, sometimes three, staring at you. No play, no comfort, no books, no toys, no paintings in the room. Now, usually when you enter a room packed with cots filled with children, the expectation is of noise, chatter, or crying, sometimes a whimper. But what greeted us was complete and utter silence. Even though the children were awake. Why? Why? The infants had learned that their cries were not responded to. What was it those orphans needed, those children needed? They needed love. Its absence had devastating consequences. My friends, do you see that this is you? But with one key difference. Do you see the difference? These babies did not choose that condition. They did not choose to be abandoned and separated and, and, and torn apart from their parents. But you, me... That is exactly what we have done. That is exactly what we continually choose to do. The relationship we do not have with God is a result of the choices that we continually make again and again and again. We're the ones who have destroyed our relationship. We're the ones who've turned our backs on God, who sin against him, who constantly seek freedom and comfort and contentment and satisfaction everywhere and anywhere except for him. We are desperately alone, desperately alone. On the last day before God, it will not be people to your left, to your left and to your right. It will not be people surrounding. It'll be you and him. Our situation is helpless. And I wonder if you truly see that. Helpless. There is nothing you can do to change it. Cut off from God now and forever. What can we do? There's only one possible The one possible hope that we have is that this very same God that we've spent our entire lives rejecting and rebelling against, ignoring and abandoning, that that God would reach out and he would do something for us that we cannot do for ourselves. Listen to me that the one true God would reach down to us and give us what we most desperately need but cannot accomplish for ourselves, which is exactly what he did. God sent Jesus to earth. Jesus, who had experienced eternal freedom, eternal relationship with his Father, 
intentionally, deliberately strode towards oppression. He shrugged off the freedom that he had and strode and embraced oppression. He died and he died at the will of his father. Why would he do that? Because in his death, he pays the debt that you and I could never pay. He substitutes himself for us, taking the punishment we deserve. In his death, he rescues us. And I want you to hear this, that in his death, he wipes your slate clean. Your debt is paid. Your sin is forgiven if you repent and believe. He sets us free from our our pathetic attempts to please him by what we do. But what does he then do? The most astonishing thing of all. The Spirit himself testifies that we are God's children. The Spirit you receive does not make you a slave, so you live in fear again. It brings about your adoption to sonship. God adopts us into his family, not because you're good and you deserve it, but even though you don't, you and I can know God. We can have a loving relationship with God, the perfect righteous Father, as we were made for, as we were designed for. Because God has reached down and made it so. My dear friends, that is Christianity. That is what it means to be a Christian. Not a good person who God has gone, oh, okay, tick. But a sinner, a slave, set free by God who did everything for us to bring us into his family. God has done it all so we can have it all. So what can we do? Well, my dear friends, if you're not a Christian here today, or if you're not sure whether you're a Christian or not, I think there's three possible responses. Number one, you can deny it and reject it. If that is you, I want to say, we love you. So awesome that you're here. Please don't stop looking into the Bible. Jamie mentioned life. You've got a postcard for that. Please register. Come along Tuesday nights, Thursday mornings. We're going to look into these things more, ask any questions. We'd love for you to keep coming. Number two, it's possible to hear God's diagnosis of your spiritual situation and agree with it, but then respond completely incorrectly and think, well, I'm stuffed with God. I know what to do. I'll fix it. I'll stop doing this. I'll start doing that. I'll polish my life up. I'll get my things together. I'll become more religious. I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this. Then I'll work my way to God. My dear friends, liberate yourself from that because that is nothing more than spiritual oppression. It's nothing more than being free to be the religious version of me. That will not pay your debt. And it will delude you and destroy and devour your life in the process. Be set free from that. There is a third response, you see. This one is to realize deep down in the bottom of your soul that you cannot do anything to help yourself, that you're too far gone and your case is hopeless and helpless. And so it is to do the one thing that you can do, throw yourself at God's mercy. Listen to me. Cry out for his salvation. Grasp hold of the freedom that can only come through Jesus who doesn't bring oppression but sets us free from oppression. It's not too late. You can become a Christian how would you like to do that? You heard Jerry's story. It's my story. It's all of us here as Christians. That's our story. Would you like to become a Christian? Well, just like Jerry spoke about when he became a Christian, what I'm going to do now is pray. And if you would like to become a Christian, if you realize that's your spiritual condition and you'd like to call upon the mercy of God, 
I'm going to invite you to pray this along with me inside your head and heart um, and take hold of what it is that God is offering, adoption into his family. I'm going to ask everyone uh, here to, to bow your heads and shut your eyes. And, and if you'd like to pray that with me, um, I'd like to invite you to do that, to become a Christian. Let's pray. Dear God, I recognise that you are God and you have the right to control my life. Yet I have rebelled against you in what I've said, in what I've done and in what I've thought. I am a sinner. I'm sorry for what I've done. I ask you to forgive me. I know that Jesus died on the cross to take the punishment I deserve. I know that by trusting in him, I may be forgiven. Thank you that he did that and that he rose from the dead to give me new life. Help me to continue to turn away from rebellion and rejection and sin and to follow Jesus as my king. Please come into my life and take complete control of it. Please let me live as your child. Father, thank you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, my friends, if you prayed that prayer, I want to make it clear that the Bible um, says heaven celebrates as one of God's children comes home. Do you see that? If you did pray that prayer, though, I want to encourage you not to keep it to yourself. Um, come along to life. Uh, I'd love to meet you there. Um, come find me after the service or Jamie. You can go to one of the welcome barrels and talk to someone, or maybe you're with someone who is a Christian and you can talk to them about it. Um, or you can get in touch with church, send us an email, whatever. Um, the most important thing, though, is to know deep in your soul that if you've grabbed hold of that, that God is your Father, there's been a change in your status. That's the greatest thing you will ever do.